Chapter 18 The Air We have added the making of airplanes to our industries because we are manufacturers of motors, and therefore every phase of motor transportation interests us. We are not as yet really manufacturing airplanes, according to our interpretation of manufacturing. We are largely experimenting to see whether it is possible to produce an airplane which will require no more skill in its management than does a motor car, which can be manufactured and sold so cheaply as to be within the means of a large number of people, and which will be as safe from accident and as foolproof as is the motor car. We are proceeding slowly, as is our want. We are working on a number of models, and we are running two airlines from Dearborn, one to Cleveland and the other to Chicago. These airlines, excepting for a mail contract, carry only our goods, for we are in the business of making motors and do not intend to go into the business of aerial transportation. But unless we have regular airlines running under our own supervision, we cannot obtain the data on performance necessary to proper production. We cannot go into production until we are absolutely sure of what we are doing. When we shall have that surety, only the future can tell. But the development is going on far more rapidly than did the development of the motor car, for we introduced the motor car into a world unfamiliar with machinery, while now nearly every man understands at least something of motor-driven machinery. The step from the motor car to the airplane is not nearly as great as the step we have already taken from the horse carriage to the motor car. We do not have to convince the public that transportation through the air is desirable. The public wants quick transportation. It is now only necessary to provide safe transportation at a low cost and then to convince the people that the stunt airplane is no nearer to the commercial airplane than the racing motor car is to the truck. The military airplane, and because of the war nearly all of the attention in recent years had to be given to the warplanes, requires great skill in its piloting, just as the driving of a racing motor car requires great skill. The military airplane has to be very fast and flexible. The pilot has to know how to go into nosedives and tailspins, and how to get out of them. Ninety percent of the efficacy of a military airplane is in its pilot. We have not been working along war lines, although we know that the airplane must perform a high part in all future military operations, but we believe that we can be of the greatest service for both war and peace in developing the commercial airplane. For once we know enough about commercial aeronautics, it will not be difficult to turn out military airplanes as needed and to find the proper pilots for them. The work in the air, however, is not primarily my work. It was my son Edsel, president of the Ford Motor Company, who first became interested in aviation and it took a long time to convince me that it had a commercial feature. The direction of the work depends on my son. My generation brought out the automobile. It remains for the next generation to bring out the airplane, although already the progress with the airplane has been much more rapid than was the progress with the motor car. We now own, as a subsidiary, the Stout Metal Airplane Company, which produces an all-metal monoplane. We have an airport at Deerporn, and also a mooring mast for dirigibles. We have a factory for building the metal airplanes. This factory was recently destroyed by fire, but a new and better factory is being built. We are giving more attention at present to the airplane than to the dirigible, 
but we believe that each type has its place in air navigation. The airplane seems to be well fitted for fast express work and the dirigible for the carrying of heavy loads. It is our general thought, although nothing is as yet conclusive, that the dirigibles will take the long main routes of air travel, with the planes acting as feeders. But we are not committed to either type. We want to learn all that we can about both types. The principle is fundamental with us that an airplane, before it can be considered commercially, must be developed to a point where it can support itself in the air financially as well as physically. The all-metal monoplane appealed to us particularly because of the simplicity of its construction and the fact that it might be put into production. The biplane, with its fabric planes and wire and wooden bracings, has to be made by hand, and we are not interested in hand production. Also, the metal airplane may be left outdoors in any weather without the danger of harm. Our interest in the dirigible is indicated by the fact that we erected a mooring tower 210 feet high. We have as yet done very little with the lighter-than-air machines and have not as yet used the big mast. Our principal experimenting has been with the heavier-than-air machines. We started with these two fundamentals. A commercial airplane must have, one, the ability to accomplish the most ton-miles per horsepower, and two, the ability to stay in the air the most hours per day. That is, the best commercial plane is the one that will make the most ton-miles per dollar per day. This is what we expect from an airplane, and what we shall achieve. 1. Absolute reliability of structure under all conditions of weather or fire hazard. 2. Absolute dependability of power plant, accomplished possibly by multiple engines. 3. A speed of 100 miles per hour with full load in horizontal flight at sea level on not more than three-fifths of the maximum horsepower. 4. Pilot located forward to assure unobstructed vision when planes become common over air routes, particularly in bad weather. 5. A payload of at least four pounds per horsepower with fuel for six hours of flight. 6. Ability to operate 20 hours per day in the air with load. Two major requirements must be met before we can have real commercial aviation or commercial airlines. The first is a real airplane engine, air-cooled and without electric ignition if possible. The second is an absolutely dependable navigation apparatus, probably a specially developed radio system. These points we are working on, and it is only a matter of time before we shall get what we need. We began our first airlines in April 1925. That is, we have had more than a year of experience with all-metal planes fitted with Liberty engines. We have, during this period, been flying daily, except Sunday, over a 260-mile course to Chicago and return, and 127 miles to Cleveland and return, a total of 774 miles per day. We have not had a single accident. We have not had a day's interruption of service, and it is the exception for a plane not to arrive exactly on time. Our loads vary from 1,000 to 1,500 pounds per trip, with an average of about 1,200 pounds, in addition to 150 gallons of fuel, 14 gallons of oil, and often an extra pilot in training. On one occasion, a plane was flown to Cleveland with a complete Ford car, body and all. Our experience thus far indicates that the cost of transportation can be brought well within commercial limits 
and the service made speedy and reliable. For the first three months of operation, our actual average speed between Detroit and Chicago, with loads, was 96 miles per hour. But during the next two months, after bad weather had set in, this average dropped to 93 miles per hour, because most of the winds encountered were crosswise of the course. Another speed handicap was that the ships flying to Chicago, leaving at 12, traveled against the wind that the plane did not have in its favor coming back, since the summer wind dies down about 5 p.m. and the ship is not due at Ford Airport until 6.30 p.m. As this work is being done with an ordinary Liberty engine turning at normal engine speed, we believe the record is rather remarkable, particularly the fact that we have had but one dead stick landing during the whole period of operation. Trips were made with as much as 2,700 pounds of useful load. We are experimenting with a large plane with three motors, so that it may keep the air with one motor dead, but for an ordinary commercial freight aviation, or for the personal aviation that is so near at hand, a single engine will be sufficient, except when used over mountains or where landing fields are not available. Commercial passenger lines will probably all use three-motored ships. Flying equipment standing on the ground is a liability, like a motor truck standing still or an ocean steamship at the dock. It earns its pay by ton-mile service and must be in the air the greatest possible number of hours per day. It should not be necessary in commercial airline work to have more than one plane on the ground for two in the air, and even this ratio can be bettered. This will be possible, however, only when power plants and other devices are interchangeable, so that operators can change any defective equipment almost immediately and get the machines back into the air promptly. The parts in all the planes we are making are interchangeable to a degree. Essentially, when we have closed on our design, they will be interchangeable, just as are our motor car parts. The future of aviation does not lie in selling thrills to the public, but in carrying people and loads from place to place in the service of industry. So much for airlines. The airplane will soon be a part of our life. What it will mean, no one knows. We have not yet found out what the automobile means. <laughs>